When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Welcome to The Family Brain. I'm Megan Gibson, and I'm super excited about the series this fall around parenting teenagers and parenting young adults. Today on The Family Brain, I'll be talking with Mary Dell Harrington, who helped start Grown and Flown, a Facebook and web community that supports parents around parenting their almost adult children. And we had such a great conversation and it gets me excited that I will have this grown and flown resource for myself as I sort of enter these years of parenting. I have a a little more ways to go before I'm all the way there, but I'm already sort of starting to feel how those changes start to take place in the parenting relationship with your child. So Mary Dell is also co-author of a book coming out called Grown and Flown, and it comes out on September 3rd. And if the stars align, this podcast is also coming out on September 3rd. So you can check out the book on Amazon and order your copy. I think it would be a great gift to give someone who might be sort of managing this time in the parenting career. So without further ado, Please help me welcome Mary Dell Harrington. I just wanted to, first of all, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk with me. And I came upon the Grown and Flown Facebook page from my sister-in-law. She shared a page because she has children that are sort of at that college age level And um, she just shared it on Facebook and I started following it and found it to be such an awesome resource because so often it seems like there's all this information about what to do with your newborn. But then how do you how do you manage these bigger people and what do we do with all the feelings around that? Um, So shout out to Nikki. Thank you for introducing me to Grown and Flown. And um, I just wanted to sort of hear more about how you came to be involved in this kind of work. How did you end up launching Grown and Flown as a Facebook page and now as an upcoming book? Um, well, first, Megan, thank you for having me on as your guest. I really appreciate it. It's fun for me to talk to you and speak to different people who 
view parenting from their own perspective and from that of other uh, people that you've interviewed. So I'm honored to be invited. Um, it kind of goes back, why we started Bar and Fun goes back exactly to what you just said, that there is so much written about um, your newborn or your zero to three-year-old. And Lisa Heffernan, my co-founder, and I um, just felt that there really wasn't much that was that was being published on a consistent basis in blogs or you know media that really talked about this consequential age of parenting. You know, when you've got kids in high school and college, it's not as if your parenting responsibilities are done. You know, at all, far far from it. So that's why we just decided one day to start a blog. I love it. And it's interesting to me because when I first started reading the articles and the, the, the concepts, I thought, okay, I'm going to learn for the future. And now all of a sudden I just sent my oldest child off to sixth grade and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is happening way faster than, I don't know, just those first, you know, like steps towards more independence. And, and, um, I don't know, I just feel like we took a bigger step just recently. And so all of a sudden now I'm thinking, this is, this is what this is, this letting go of, are you sure you can do that yourself? You know? Um, so I, I'm very appreciative of all the information and what was going on, like sort of with your own kids at that age. Like, if you don't mind me asking who, what age were your children when you first started this work? Sure. No, not at all. We, Listen, I love talking about Grown and Flown. Lisa and I can talk about Grown and Flown all the time to anybody. We we love you know we love everything about what we what we've done because what we started as a blog really pivoted um, later on to become a website where we have more than five hundred writers. But where it began or when it began, Lisa and I were school volunteers together, and so every other Tuesday morning we had a shift in the snack bar, and we would spend two hours really catching up, talking about our kids, our family lives, what was going on in the world, what was going on in the school. And, you know, meanwhile, seeing these kids growing up year after year, they would come in as brand new freshmen, it was an upper school snack bar. And the next year we would see them as sophomores and juniors and seniors, and then we realized that they were they were going on their way. Um, at the time we started Grown and Flown, our youngest were um, sophomores in high school, and our um, eldest had gone on to college. So we had gone through the experience of going to college admissions, taking them to the freshman dorm, and most importantly, waiting there after we hugged them to watch, see them watch, walk back in without us into that freshman dorm, which is like a, it's a moment. It's, it's a definite moment as you go on your way and your, your child goes on their way at college. But um, our, our younger, as we got busier and busier with grown and flown, they would sort of like get our attention and say, hey, you know, we're not, we're not gone yet. You know, you, you guys are not empty nesters. Um, I think originally we, we envisioned talking about grown and flown as sort of family life in the empty nest. You know, what would, what would that look like and what would that feel like? But we realized that where people um, found the most conversation was around parenting, not around the empty nest, not the absence of, of um, children at all, but what it's like to parent your child, whether they're under roof are away from you in college. Right. And that's why we came up with the tagline of parenting never ends because it is really just so true that your life as a parent will evolve um, as your kids go from, you've already seen how, Megan, how your life as a parent is evolving probably with your brand new sixth grader. Right. It's, it probably feels a little bit different to you than it, than it may have in, in previous years with your younger children. And that just happens all along the continuum, right. you know, as you launch them into adulthood. 
Well, I, I think because it's back to school time now, I've been having a lot of conversations like this with friends, just the emotional aspects of sending kids to the next stage and, you know, did I do enough? Are they ready? And um, one of, you know, there's these articles that fly around about, you know, how many summers do you have left with your kids? And I was telling my friend, I was like, I'm like, if we're lucky enough to stay alive, we have many, many summers left with, you know, our kids might be much older. And, you know, if, I don't know. I just think that's a nice, I like what you're saying, I guess, about that the relationship just shifts, you know, as all relationships do, whether it's marriage or friendships or whatever, um, it shifts and just sort of how to manage that. And what I love, love, love about what you have created is you've created a community around that and just sort of normalizing all these feelings that I think a lot of times people end up feeling very alone with. And, you know, unless you're lucky enough to have this conversation with somebody at the snack bar, like you you did, you know, it, people can end up feeling sort of isolated in those feelings. And I just love that you're creating a community of support for people around these conversations. Well, I think, um, thank you. I mean, we've been, we've been thrilled with that. And it's, I wish we could, we could say, you know, seven, eight years ago when we were thinking about doing this, that we anticipated that part of what we would do is not only have this written blog and this written website with not only our stories, but the stories of, you know, hundreds of other parents and experts, but three and a half years ago, we made another big pivot, and that was when we started this Facebook group called Grown and Blown Parents, and I, I it's for parents who have kids 15 to 25. But we understand that sometimes there might be parents who have slightly younger children who are really on the cusp of wanting to know what's next. So those are a little bit flexible guidelines. But we have 125,000 members, and uh, we have hundreds in the queue. We vet everybody. We ask questions. You may have, I'm sure you've been in Facebook groups or joined Facebook groups. You see the vetting process. But we just want to make sure that people are parents and that it's it's a caring community. And it has it has it has become a really vibrant digital community. Facebook tells us it's one of the most engaged groups that they have seen, and we can tell from the analytics that like ninety percent of the members are engaged in the way Facebook defines that. You know, whether they're liking or commenting or sharing, or you can't share outside of the group, but they may have other you know other ways that they are expressing engagement, posting themselves. And that's just an amazing high number. Um, I'm in dozens of Facebook groups, groups that I thought were a great idea to join along the way or groups of my, you know, college years or whatnot and that I barely visit. But I know that um, with that kind of a number, people are really longing for that kind of community. When you're when you're the parent of a younger child and, and you, you, you're living this, Megan, I'm sure with your three, you have a real um, active engagement with the school, you have parent-teacher conferences, you have um, back-to-school nights, you are going, you're, dri- you're driving your kids, so you're there for all the practices and pickups and drop-offs and birthday parties, and maybe you're just sort of hanging out with the other parents who are there. Um, you're going to the pediatrician's office with your, with your children because they're really young and they need you there. Um, all of those things melt away as your kids get into high school. Um, it's your entire sort of parenting scaffolding just doesn't exist like it used to. And this is at the time when you really need those experts the most. And it's just the structure of life and family life um, and with, with adulting kids just just precludes that. So we found that our um, Facebook 
community offers people an opportunity to ask those tough parenting questions um, to see what creative ideas they can have around some dilemmas that are sometimes insignificant, like how do I get my somewhat insignificant, like how do I get all my kids' dorm stuff to their dorm and not completely freak out, you know, just in the the massive quantities, and, and other things that are much more private and personal. So we offer people an opportunity to ask questions anonymously when it's their child's privacy and their family's privacy that really needs to be protected. Because it's not really your story to say, hey, my 16-year-old driving and got their first traffic ticket or, or they got a DUI, what do I do now? Or my freshman is miserable and they want to come home, but I want to have them try and stick it out. What do I do? Am I being a bad parent by, by telling them to just try and stay longer? I mean, these are really... These are not our stories to tell in a group of hundreds of thousands of people or even with your your, your closest friends. Right. So we offer people a chance to um, get ideas from other parents who may have been in that exact same boat and then decide for themselves what's the best tag to take for their family. Yeah. No, that's so true. I mean, all of the things that you're saying really are resonating with me, with my oldest, because, again... Even with this podcast, I have to be careful about what I say about him because now all of a sudden he's becoming this person who cares about what I say and what I don't say. And um, so it's, yeah, it's just interesting how these shifts just sort of start to happen. And a lot of them, I think, can catch you off guard. You know, I still remember my mom bringing me to my college dorm and she was emotional anyway. And I was sort of trying to be stoic. And my roommate, who I just was meeting, her mom was ironing her sheets. And my mom just starts crying and I didn't iron your sheets. And I'm like, we've never ironed sheets. Like, I, why would you iron sheets? I don't even understand. But it was just this like very visceral memory of like, yeah, I mean, it just and I it's just has stuck with me of just, you know, we both were trying to be ready. And Maybe sometimes you aren't ready, but you do it anyway. You know, I mean, this right. is the next step. Um, right. So I'm curious in all the, the interesting and, you know, resourceful people that you've been talking to for Grown and Flown, what, what are some of the, um, like, I guess in my mind, so I was trying to run through, like, what are some of the big topics that really we need more information about? Like some of the ones I was thinking were like finances, um, sex, drugs, I don't, I mean, and there's all these things that sort of come up around the teenage years that, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I guess that's my question is what, what are some of the biggest sort of topics that you think, I mean, I know there's a million topics, but what are some of the bigger categories that you really hope to sort of cover in, in the community and in the book? Well, it, it was a challenge to come up with, um, you know, to curate, to, to actually figure out what things we really wanted to include, because we have 2,000 blog posts on our site. We've talked to experts about a number of things, and I think what led us to the nine, the nine topics that we chose really had to do with what we hear in our community talking about the most, and what really resonates, what's, what's in our heart, what matters the most to us. So we start off with family life, and one of the things that, that we that is near and dear is our relationships that our children have with each other. Um, you know, the, the sibling relationship is just one that will last longer, we hope, than any other relationship they have from birth to death. And that's something that a lot of times people don't really 
focus on that much. I wouldn't say it's like a super hot button issue like alcohol or drugs or vaping, but it's it's thinking about, you know, and, and, and really focusing on all the good things that your family brings to your child's life. It's something that you don't want to just assume or just dismiss. Um, it's really important, and that's why we started with that. Um, but then, of course, we launched into happiness, anxiety, mental health, some, some issues that are, that are um, you know, crucial for our children's well-being. And this is one where we brought in some real experts who can help us um, help us with these difficult conversations. Um, the book has 60, we're told by our audio, um, the audio engineer at Macmillan Books, that the, there are 63 voices in, in the book. Oh, how cool. And, um, so they cast, they cast uh, you know, uh, professional voices, professional actors and actresses to um, portray some of these voices. So Lisa and I have roles in the book where we're, we're, we're narrating in the first person, but then other people come in. We did a number of Q&As with people who are um, doctors and physicians, and so we wanted to make sure that their voices were, um, you know, amplified. And, and one of the more interesting places, I think, or uh, one of the more interesting things for me personally has been to interview people who are, um, scientists in brain development, mm -hmm. because I think um, that is another area that I think a lot of times parents have heard or they're kind of vaguely aware that um, their teenagers' brains aren't really fully functioning, but maybe they think they, they don't really know that much about it. I think um, Frances Jensen is um, a world expert on brain development and brain science in teens, and we had the privilege of speaking to her a couple of times um, over the course of working on uh, our size and, and the book, and her being able to really fully immerse herself in a little bit of the science of teen development, I think can help parents with their with understanding their children and having more patience. Right. Um, in fact, I wish I would have had that knowledge when my own son, who's my, I have a son who's my oldest child and a daughter, and you know how it is with your oldest, you're really, you're, you're really learning the ropes as a parent. And I truly wish I would have had um, a little better background on brain science when, when he hit his hard teen years. Um, I think I would have been a, a more patient and understanding parent. Yeah, I feel like I catch myself even saying, like, what are you thinking? Like, what are you thinking? Like, and, and maybe the answer is they're not. I don't know. You know what I mean? Or that just that connection that we as adults have worked for years and years and years to hone and yet we're expecting them to have that sort of insight, wisdom, whatever you want to call it at, you know, 12, 13, 15, whatever it is. Um, no, I totally they agree. Have it for, for, they won't have it for a long time. Um, you know, the impulse control just isn't there. The, you know, it's developing, but their ability to really, um, you know, plan and have all these higher level functions, just they just don't have that capability. I mean, it's just kind of the bottom line. And if parents had a, had a greater appreciation for that, I think it might influence their parenting in a very positive way. So that's that's part of um, part of what we talked about in the book. No, I love that. Right. That's one of the in a future person in the series is going to talk to that a little bit more, and I'm excited to learn more about it too. Just like you said, just for compassion, just to understand that. This, there's not something wrong. This is the process. And I just think that, like you said, there's so much, um, so much like worth in, in just that, just that this is how it is. This is how it always right. is. It's not, it's not that you're some freak show, you know, this is right. how it right. goes. Yeah. 
And I mean, there are outliers in situations, right? I mean, there are, but like most of the time, this is the, the normal way that it's supposed to move forward. Right, exactly. Um, so I would say that that is something that, um, you know, every time there's a new book uh, on the scene, there, you know, there's attention given to that, but then it kind of seems to recede a little bit. But I highly recommend The Teenage Brain by Frances Jensen. as a um, wonderful primer on, this, on the topic. She is herself a mother of now two young adult um, boys and had a big job and, you know, um, while she was raising her kids and, you know, had the opportunity to both see how her own laboratory at home Mm -hmm. uh, bore out her research in the office. And, um, you know, she talks about how even, you know, even your straight-A student will look at them one day and say, or many times, say, what were you thinking? You know, and the answer really is they really weren't. They weren't thinking like a fully formed adult brain thing. Right. Or they were thinking as well as they were capable of in that moment. Almost sort of like all of us, you know, like when we don't know. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? I lost my train of thought real quick. Um, uh, oh, what I was going to say is I love hearing from researchers that have that real life experience too, because I just think sometimes there can be such a disconnect between the academic and the actual application. You know, I, I remember when I was first, I'm a social worker, when I was first out of school and I didn't have a family yet, and I would be talking to parents of like very mentally unwell children. And I'm like, well, routine and discipline and da, 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 you know, and, and I just look back and I'm like, I would just want to tell those parents, I'm sorry that I made it sound like it was just like, I read a book and now I'm going to tell you discipline. And, and it's just, while that must, that is true in many cases, it also, it's just hard, you know, and just hearing that from people that kind of know that it's hard and yet here is the information, you know, um, every, expert in our book is a parent and not every expert is a parent of a teen but I think almost every expert is a parent and of course many of our writers are parenting writers so there's a lot of compassion that permeates the, the book a lot of um, I think uh, drawing from you know the experts really can draw from their own personal experience as well as their professional expertise in talking about um you know, whatever topic they, they're covering. Right. Um, that's the reason why I guess I'm so excited about the book is it's not, it's not really, uh, Lisa and Mary Dell, um, so at all with our families. I mean, we do draw from our own family lives and we do have anecdotes and we do talk about it a little bit, but the bulk of the, of the book is really written by either experts or like some of the best parenting writers we have ever encountered. That's awesome. And we were, we were, blown away by um, people's generosity of time and creativity and being willing to contribute to the book. That's awesome. I picture it as something that you could maybe, like if your friend is crying because they dropped their first child off at college, like you could go over and have a coffee and give them the book. It would be like a nice little, right? (laughs) Wouldn't that be sweet? Like the way that you give a college graduate, like, oh, the places you go, like this is the book, you know, it just... I don't know. Sometimes there can be, like I was saying, like comfort in hearing from other people who have gone through similar things. Um, One of the questions that I was curious about was just what, like in thinking and and talking about all these different topics, are there any messages like you wish you could bring back to your younger self that you sort of know now that 
like what would be the the main main thing that you would wish to impress upon your younger self or even your younger parent like you as a younger parent well i think me as a younger parent because we really do write pretty much exclusively for parents um in the book um and so i guess that's where my my head is so much is less than uh as opposed to me as a as a younger person but i think uh what i was talking about with the teen brain is something that is really um would have been uh, very very influential in my parenting especially once my kids had I think um, also having, uh, we, ha- we do have um, quite a bit of information about academics and college admissions, and I was a typical kind of keyed up mom, you know, and especially, again, as my first was going through college, I was not really having a good appreciation for how much or how little I should do to help my son, uh, really had no idea how to approach the whole college admissions um college admissions search, and I think um, we one of the most, I think, um, sort of must-read books in the whole college admission realm is Frank Bruni's book, uh, New York Times columnist, Where You Go is Not Who You'll Be, and I think he makes such a great case for uh, ratcheting down um, parent and student expectations about looking for that top, top, top school or that brand-name school, and he, of course, is a phenomenal writer. I think anything that he writes is just a must-read. But this book uh, is so compelling and I think really does turn the notch down a little bit on the anxiety that, that some parents may have about college admissions. And I think that would have been, that would have been really helpful as well had I uh, just had this sense that, you know, take a deep breath. It's all going to be fine. I would have been, because uh, I think parents project their own anxiety um, all along the way with their kids, you know, at, at, at any and every age. And I, I, I wish I would have been a more relaxed uh, parent, because then I think I would have, I would have, you know, hopefully had my kids <laughs> be a little less, right. uh, a little less, you know, anxious if I if I interjected that into their lives. I've been, it may have been, they may have been buffered from that by just ignoring me right. <laughs> from the time, but uh, I wish I would have been a slightly less stressed out parent. Easier, much easier said than that. Right. Well, and it's interesting because even just, I was just talking to a woman in a, the parking lot the other day. I just met her for the first time. We were just chatting. And, um, all of a sudden she started talking about um, her child and getting into colleges. And I started to get tense just talking to the stranger. And um, I think sometimes too, like the community we keep, you know, like it can be very easy to be in certain environments that sort of ramp up that anxiety as a parent and as a child. And I think sort of being aware of when that's happening and how to basically withdraw from it or, or, or protect yeah. yourself a little bit from it because it's so easy to get caught up. It's really easy to get caught up in it. And once you, uh, Lisa has a great expression. It's like, it's like a smoke that seeps in under the door, mm-hmm. under, the, under the bottom of the door. Once that whole college conversation enters into your, um, you know, the conversation you're having with your kids, really hard to get it back out again and all of a sudden you find that your middle schooler or your young high schooler is already like skipping over high school and thinking you know focusing on whether they're going to apply to college right. you don't want to deprive your kids of the moments that they're in the moments the grades the experiences that they're having at the right then and there now it doesn't mean that parents shouldn't think about 
certain things about college, especially around how they're going to pay for it. That's something that parents with the youngest of children should should be very, you know, should think about uh, and how, how that savings um, strategy will work for their family. But it doesn't mean you have to involve your kid in that conversation until it's time for them to really think about what actions they want to take. And for many kids, it's not until 11th grade. That's when a lot of the schools start to be very focused on college admission um, because they recognize that kids change a lot. The ninth grader who is desperate to go to the University of Texas, let me just say my son would have been that ninth grader Mm because that's where I went to college and he never remained big UT football fan. That was not even on his on his list by the time he finally applied to schools because he decided he wanted to play football and he knew that that was not a school that was in the cards for his athletic, his size and athletic abilities. So um, you know, kids change so much. You you, you don't want to put them in the um, position of wanting to sort of start to think about that stuff when it's really premature. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I even I transferred out of by freshman year of school, because I, I think I thought I wanted to be really far and spread my wings. And I was like, Oh, it's too far, you know, and just sort of that course correction that happens, um, over time, um, can change a lot of things. Um, well, I am super excited. I have pre-ordered your book and I'm excited to get it. No, I'm excited. I think it's, I think it's a really, I think kind of like a lot of great ideas. It's, it's one of those things where, in some ways, how did this this community not happen earlier? You know, like we have all this like what to expect when you're expecting. And this is sort of what I, I said at the beginning. But it's just interesting that it's taken us sort of this long to realize like this is important, too. And I just think for the health of all of us, the more we can acknowledge like the things we go through and help each other with it, the better off we're all going to be. And um, and I, so I just I'm excited to, to get my hands on it. Well, we, we, one thing that we think about it is that it's not like Lisa and I were just, you know, had this, this, this sense that this is all going to happen. It's, we've seen a real switch from the time we first started Grenoflon, um, which were parents who had kids in their 90s, like Lisa and I did, versus parents who had their kids in this century. If you had kids born in the 2000s, you have always looked online for parenting advice and mm-hmm. content. And that wasn't the case when our kids were little because it, didn't, it just didn't really exist. Um, but so these parents have, will continue to look for um, information and advice online. And I think that explains some of the growth of Grown Up Loan. It's, it's, you know, we're, we're continuing to, to put out what we think is really good content every day, you know, from really wonderful writers. But it's also that, that there's a wave of parents whose kids are getting older and older and getting into that, you know, those high school years. And they're in the off-to-college years, and they just expect to find content online that answers the questions that they have. Right. So we were fortunate in that we were, um, you know, we were poised for that kind of demographic shift and um, have really seen that just in terms of the um, the interest in readership. And, And we hope that the book... Can, can be a hard copy of a lot of what we do, um, a lot of what we do online, but uh, it's all, you know, a lot of brand new content. Uh, there's some things that exist on our on our site, but uh, a lot of brand new con- 
much brand new content and um, a lot of really interesting things that you won't see anywhere else. So we hope that people are excited. And we do think of it as a little bit of what to expect when you have a teenager. Yes. Oh, I love so it. It's, it's, it's that we met, we all read those books when we were pregnant and um, that's kind of a, a kind of a prototype that um, that's obviously a hugely successful book we could only dream of right. that kind of <laughs> but we are really excited about it well is there anything that you were hoping I would ask you more about that I haven't if you ask me is it possible to stay close to your kids um, while they grow up and become adults um, I would say that it's definitely possible that we find that with our own five data points, squeezes three and my two, that we're in a constant conversation, a digital dinner table, we like to call it, where we're, we're, we have our text threads going all the time, and there are, you know, her, she has three boys, so there's a, there's a little more teasing going on, I think, in her text mm-hmm. threads than with my son and my daughter, but there are photos, certainly plenty of photos of our dogs in, in the text threads, interesting articles that people have read. We consider that to be a rich family life. We don't consider that to be a helicopter parenting situation. Our, we love the fact that our kids come to us with their questions and just their stories. We, we think that that's the prototypical happy family, not a family where our kids are... Um, dependent upon us, you know, so, it's a, it's, so I guess that's, that is, that is sort of like a big question, like, how, how do you know if you're a helicopter parent or not, how, how do you stay close and not feel like you're, uh, you know, uh, disabling your kids adulting, and um, we think the claim, staying close is, is, is what parents should aspire to with their kids, um, you just end up having an adult relationship as you, as you would with, with your, you know, very best friends in life. Right. Um, and what did you call it? Di- digital dinner digital table. Dinner table. I love that idea because I feel like that's one of the things that, you know, at, I have my younger kids and growing up, we always were sitting at the table all the time, have, you know, and just life, I think, is a little different now. And I was just talking to some friends about this, about how, well, how often are you all sitting at the dinner table? And, right. you know, between the football practices and the soccer drive, the, you know, all the things it can be hard to do. But I love that idea of kind of embracing technology as a way to connect and, um, and kind of, I don't know, flipping the script a little bit. I just feel like there can be so much negativity around technology that, that maybe looking at it as like, this is a way to connect. And just because it's different than what used to be, you know, it used to be that you couldn't make a long distance call. I mean, it was a, you know, like make it quick, you know, and now we have this ability. Oh, yeah, it's so expensive. Oh, my mom used to rush. On Sunday nights after nine or whenever the rates went down. Because- right. It was really expensive, and then you'd have that trick where if you drove back to college, you wouldn't let your parents know. You would place a collect call, which right. really dates me. Yeah, on the payphone. Yeah, that they would not accept because that was the key. That was the code that meant you were home. You know, you're back in college safely. <laughs> but now it's uh, you know we're just we're really in constant contact. In fact, I see that I've gotten texts from my son, probably <laughs> wondering he's he's between his summer job and graduate school and he's on his way out here and he's probably wondering when I'm going to pick him up from the train. Right. I love that. No, it's just, so digital dinner table. That's good. I like that. Um, one, my last question that I always ask my guests is what do you do for your own self care just to sort of take care of yourself while you're keeping your family healthy too? Well, um, that's a great question 
because I think as moms, you're, you, we often put ourselves way down on the needs scale and take care of all the responsibilities that we have um, of just making sure life happens for our families and our kids and our homes and, and our jobs uh, for, for people who are busy with their work as well. Obviously, exercise is probably the most important thing that any of us can do, and, and fitting some of that in. I have this seven-minute workout app on my phone that I, the New York Times claims is really, really <laughs> will do the trick. And sometimes if that is the only exercise I can fit in my day, I feel like, okay, well, you know, at least I did that. Right. And it's, a, it's an interval training, and it's seven minutes, and it's a bite-sized piece. And um, so I... <laughs> that's the thing it's just all trying to stay healthy enough to then take care of everybody else and um right. and I think I don't know the summer really gets me off kilter that's why I'm very excited for my routine because it's also hard to do those things that you want to do to take care of yourself when you know every week is kind of different and um anyway but no I think there's a reason it's a very common answer Yes. Well, summer is the opposite of routine for in all good ways. But um, I'm glad that your kids are back at school and you are uh, able to think about how to get yourself organized. And um, you know, I'm glad that you're back with your podcast because you yes. they're they're very interesting. So thank you. Well, thank again you for having me as your guest. Thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on, and I'm excited to get the book and um, put this podcast out to encourage people to go check it out. Thanks for listening to this episode with Mary Dell Harrington. I just love that this grown and flown resource is out there for those of us that have or will have young adult children. And I love the reassurance she gives around that you're not gonna be done being a parent. It's just how does that relationship shift and change? And I love that this resource is there to support us through it. So thank you so much for coming on and I hope you check us out on Facebook, The Family Brain and Family Brain Podcast on Instagram. And if you would be so inclined, I would love for you to leave a rating and review on iTunes. That helps the podcast find new listeners. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.